Hello, I'm Charu Kamaria. I'm a writer, journalist, speaker, and podcaster based in the southeastern United States. And I started this show after many years of working in newsrooms where stories of the day are boiled down to just a few minutes. I want to go more in depth, talk about the things that we all should be noticing and discussing, and help you understand what the story really is. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Story with Charu. And I'm so excited to talk to the gentleman that I've got on the show today, Frederick Murphy. And in my research, mm-hmm. Murph, we're going to call you Murph. Yes, Murph. That's what everybody calls you. <laughs> I was just amazed at, I, I didn't really even know how to introduce you, to be honest, because mm-hmm. there is so much, and this man has accomplished so much. I, I wanted to introduce him as a historian, documentarian, filmmaker, but I'm, Murph, you tell us. Who are you? Who is, who is Murph? Who is Frederick Murphy? Yeah, so Frederick Murphy, I am, a, I am from a small town in Tennessee, Clarksville, Tennessee, right outside of Nashville. Um, and currently, uh, from a technical standpoint, I'm a licensed professional therapist uh, here in the state of North Carolina. Um, but I also produce documentaries and direct documentaries, and mm-hmm. I'm on my second one right now, uh, which will be released in May. So um, I, I also work in the school system, and I see uh, middle schoolers. I work in three different middle schools here in CMS. Um, and I was doing some online teaching as well. Kind of took a step back from that so I could focus on finishing this documentary that's coming up here pretty soon and continue doing some blogs and things like that with the, uh, my company, History Before Us. So um, that's a shameless plug. You can no, follow, no, no, you follow, need to plug follow it. Follow me yes. at History Before Us. Um, so, yeah, it's, I, I try to be a jack of trades that I like. Not all trades, but trades that I like. Yeah, well. that fulfill you. Oh, yeah, that absolutely. give your life that why. Why am I here? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. I'm glad I found it because so many people walk around with their heads in the cloud and they don't seek it. And I think that sometimes when you do that... Um, without finding any intentionality in, in finding what that purpose is, then you live a life to where when you get 60, 70, you're like the whole, you're in the you're in the woulda, coulda, shoulda gang. Right. And at that point, it's kind of like, it's not too late, but right, you've lost right. a lot of valuable time. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that I've been able to find this space that I'm at. And I'm going to put the um, any uh, links to the website and to History Before Us in the show notes because it really is, if you're on Instagram, something worth following. It's just interesting. I mean, little tidbits of history, mm-hmm. particularly for those of us in the Southeast. Um, lots of in- just interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I-, I was just blown away. What made you decide to start that company? You know, um, I had been steeped in history since like I was like 15 years old I, I walked in I tell this story a lot of places that I go when I give presentations and stuff mm-hmm. I'll never forget walking into my aunt's home my great aunt's home in Illinois uh, now they got to Illinois because they were sharecroppers my grandmother was a sharecropper it was 14 of them and they sharecropped at some point to times they sharecropped for like four families in one year mm-hmm. and eventually you know they kept getting duped so my great-grandfather got them out and said you know we're, we're leaving the south Right. Um, for better opportunities in the Midwest, like a lot of black yes. folks did, right? Yes. Uh, one, of the, the, one of the migration periods. Correct. Um, so I go into my aunt's home in Illinois, um, and I look at this picture on the wall, and I knew it was from the 1800s, late 1800s, the 1900s, early 19. And it, looked to, it appeared to be an African-American male and a white lady. 
And I'm thinking in my head, that probably wasn't supposed to happen during this time period because, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're talking Jim Crow. We're talking about all this yeah. other stuff. And that's supposed to be in the 60s. And this person's wearing a bonnet and this and that, this and that. So I knew it was, you know, something back then. But none, no one in the family really knew their names. And that bothered me. And I knew it wasn't necessarily because of the fact that they weren't, they were just ignorant to it. It's just that these individuals were actually, actually enslaved individuals. So we didn't have a lot of information right, on them. Right. Uh, until one of my great aunts was able to provide me with some information. And from that point on, I just, it just kind of took off because now I have pictures of someone who makes up the makeup of what I see every day when I look in the mirror. Yes. So that gave me purpose to delve even diaper, deeper into um, family history. And then it just translated over into just African-American history in general. Yeah. And just in, in history in general. But right, because we were talking about this before we started the show, that that's a part of world history. Absolutely. And um, it gets underrepresented, and mm-hmm. um, maybe it makes people uncomfortable, but I've mm-hmm. talked before in the show about getting comfortable, being uncomfortable, yeah. and really looking at this stuff. And, and I also, it really fueled just a general curiosity, sure. because that's it's, it's kind of fascinating. It's like mm-hmm. the rabbit hole. You just want to mm-hmm. go deeper and deeper. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's just interesting. It's a crossword puzzle. Like I was telling uh, one of my homeboys, he was like, man, when we get older, we're going to be doing crossword puzzles and this and this and that. And I'm like, nah, I'm doing genealogy. Because yeah. it never ends. Yeah, it never ends. It, it never ends. I, I can I see myself doing this for the rest of my life. And that brings joy. Yeah. yeah. And it's, um, well, okay, so going back to the picture, mm-hmm. what did you uncover about yeah, the picture? Yeah, so, so those um, were my enslaved grandparents. Um, his name was Amos Talley. He's actually He was actually enslaved here in Warren County, North Carolina. And her name was Isabella Jones. For the color aspect of things, he was African American, and she was white and Native American. Okay, uh, but they were both enslaved. Um, so she looked white. Oh yeah, in I this picture, picture. Yeah, and she, but she was ins- enslaved. Oh yeah, sure, sure, because she okay. she was of Native descent. Crazy. So um, okay, and then I'm I'm not one of those brothers that just automatically say like some people. Well, we had Native. In yes, our yeah. I mean, it's just it's, uh, and, and that's not only in the black community. That's in the white community as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So I got a whole other thought thought right. about why, why people do this. <laughs> do that? But yeah. Okay, that's good. Yes. We can, we can I, talk I, about I, that. Talk about this. Yeah. Please do. So, um, so we did the DNA test. My great aunt, um, who I who I mentioned to you, told me their names. Uh, she did the DNA test, and she had a, a, at this point in time, she had a substantial amount of native blood in her. Okay, so wow. it confirmed it. Yeah, the, know, because, the science confirmed right, what science you knew orally. It. Right, and, right. And we did three different tests, and all of them confirmed it. So, um, so yeah, so was able to find that information and have some tangible stuff on mm-hmm. hand because my great aunt, uh, because everyone in the family knows me as the historian, family historian. Yeah. So she gave me um, some of their artifacts um, of my enslaved ancestors. So I have those. And um, this year in July, no, 2019 in July. We're already in 2020. I know, I know. In 2019, we had our first family reunion in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And we went back to the plantation in which they were enslaved. Uh, that's been around since the 1750s. But it, um, the condition of it was, was terrible. But we were able to have the um, part of the family reunion on those grounds. So we know that 2019 was the 400th year of, you know, the enslaved, documented enslaved individuals being here in Virginia, in America. Yeah, so that's right. that was, and a lot of people went back to Africa. They went to Ghana the year of the return. Yes. But for me, this was kind of like my year of the return. So we went back to 
the United States uh, plantation in which my family was enslaved at, so it was really big. What, uh, and you don't know before that where they were? No. Like what port they came through or anything like that? Yeah, no. It's hard. Oh, I mean, it was purposefully kept oh, out, sure. of, out of, you know, we, we don't want to document mm-hmm. this. Why would we document mm-hmm. this? And mm-hmm. it's crazy because now, you know, we want to know. And so mm-hmm. what... When you went back there, what was that like? First of all, who owns that plantation? So now? Um, it's a it's a it's a it's a guy that's there locally in Warren County, North Carolina. Um, he's a descendant mm-hmm. um, through marriage of the original owners, the tally owners. Um, really good guy. When I was able to get hold of uh, hold of him and ask him the question, it I couldn't even finish the question before he said yes. Wow, and he's just that supportive. Very good. Um, and other individuals in the town were just that supportive. We had local newspaper come out. We had other people that were living there in the in the town. They came out. So it was just a wonderful experience having that type of support. We were having we had relatives that through ancestry DNA and twenty three and Me that were that were connected to that area. Never met before a day of our lives, but they came out. So these are like long lost rel- DNA yeah. relatives that lived in the same place. So that goes to show that separation of families is very real. Oh, yeah. So for us to still have DNA ties with individuals that lived there on, and had ancestors on that same, same plantation to come and we all meet each other for the first time, it was amazing. And so you've become the person that in your family that did you, were you able to gather any oral history from them, what oh, they yeah. heard through the, long, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, it's, it's hard. It's a lot. And well, it's never been documented and that's on you. Well, the thing is, the beauty of it is, is that my enslaved grandparents, they left, like, memoirs. Very yeah. good. So it's very, very well documented in our family, and it's been passed down to certain individuals. And now I've been blessed to be the person that's kind of like the gatekeeper for all those things. Yeah. Um, so fortunately enough, um, on multiple sides of my family, people left cute little clues, stuff in Bibles, um, mm-hmm, there were some newspaper mm-hmm. articles back in the day uh, with my grandmother that was enslaved in that specific plantation that I was telling you about. I found multiple newspaper articles of her. She was the oldest, quote-unquote, negress in the South uh, when she died. She was 112 years old, and she was famed for cooking pancakes uh, for George Washington during his Southern tour, and that's okay. in various different newspapers. So we have the, that tangible evidence. And I feel like you put that on your yeah, Instagram yeah. account, didn't you? Yep, yep. You've got to, if you're listening, you've got to follow him on Instagram. And he's on Facebook, too, and I'm going to li- link you to all of this yeah, yeah. because the photos are amazing mm-hmm, to kind of mm-hmm. support Oh, yeah, this. so you've seen yeah, you Yeah, seen those, I did see people. that, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I remember thinking that's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's insane. I mean, what was it like to be back in that space? It was... Um, the first time that I went to that back to that space, it was in 2016 when I finally found the plantation. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, myself and a cousin of mine, we went there, and it was in the summer. It was very wooded, and there had been a lot of squatters living in there right. and, or what have you. Again, it's been there since the 1750s. No one's lived in it since, like, 1950. Um, I kid you not, and I tell this story, when we parked, my cousin, she was kind of anxious she wanted to hurry up and get up there so she walked in front of me and I'm walking and the closer and closer I get to the house because we it took us about an hour and a half to find it literally riding around this one small town Warren County trying to find it without a GPS and we actually found it because I got pictures from somebody that was posting some things on um former plantation sites and they gave me the coordinates mm-hmm. well my phone doesn't take coordinates <laughs> so, so we just riding around town right so um walking up there at this this dirt road 
and get to the plantation and things just went eerily silent in my ears and I felt like a brush on my shoulders and I look at my cousin and she turned around and looked at me and she looked really spooked and then I could hear again and it wasn't like a long period of time it was like three seconds that I couldn't hear anything Mm -hmm. but I felt like a brush on my shoulder and I looked at my cousin and I said anything weird happen to you she was like yeah fool why you think I turned around and looked at you I said did you feel like a spirit was there she said absolutely so I, I felt like that was their way of saying thank you for coming and visiting you know thanks for putting all these years of work in and trying to find us because because we probably felt forgotten. I mean, it's, oh, it's God, not yeah. it's not often that, that, that brothers and sisters or anyone that um, have had a, a slavery um, deeply rooted in their family mm-hmm. have the opportunity to go back to the space and actually have a physical building in which their ancestors were actually mm-hmm. uh, responsible for to a certain degree. And can you imagine what they could say if they could see you. I know. They would look at you guys and be like, my God, mm-hmm. it was worth it, us surviving, mm-hmm. and just, it was survival. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So at that point, but you you guys are thriving. Our our mm-hmm. descendants are thriving. Absolutely. They are working this out. Mm-hmm. They are making this country and the world better mm-hmm. um, through yeah. their work. They're in, I mean, they would totally be like, oh, wow. Yeah, I can't it, believe it was, that. It Is wasn't that, in vain. It wasn't in vain. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And mm-hmm. um, I always think that so many of us and I think uh, it's very prominent in any community or part of the world where there's been a lot of trauma right you yeah. know because oh, you yeah. have the psychological training sure sure so at some point you go from survival but if you have those basic needs being met mm-hmm. then it's time to thrive it's mm-hmm. really time to work that out mm-hmm. when you went there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to know okay so uh, part of you is the observer, the yeah. historian, the mm-hmm. person that's documenting it. And when you're in that role, yeah. because I know that when I was a journalist and a reporter and you would interview people, there's a space. There's yeah. almost like I am witnessing and I'm here to just sort of document this and I don't keep an opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be very hard because you're kind of in that role, but also these are your people. These are my people. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. I- I yeah. mean, I feel like you got to cry and cry and cry and cry and then let it out and then see somebody and really work all this out because, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, it's kind of your, your, it's you, hard. You know, it's hard, but because I've had so many years of prep work prior to, it wasn't as hard. I tell you when I did cry, I cried when I got the picture of the enslaver. When one of his family members sent me a picture of who he looked, what he looked like, I, that sent a lot of emotions through me because of the fact that I had been already researching all these folks for like 16 years at this point. And then I finally was able to set eyes on the person that kept him in bondage for mm-hmm. over 100 years. My family was enslaved within this family's hierarchy for over 100 years. So they never sold us out or willed us out of their family. We've mm-hmm. always been with this family. Uh, up until the 1920s and 30s, um, they would still have dinner together uh, every now and then um, back in, in, in Tennessee. Um, yeah, crazy, right? Um, yeah, that is crazy. And so from an emotional standpoint... When I started meeting his descendants and, you know, we started talking over the phone, it kind of broke that barrier that of anger that I had up for so long because I recognized that I needed these individuals and they needed me 
because we both had information that we needed to share to help further our research. And we've just grown to have a great relationship with each other. Um, whenever I'm back in town, they 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 reach out, hey, do you want to grab lunch? And Or I'll reach out to them. And, and we, we talk about a lot of different things. We talk about race. We talk about what's happening in politics. We talk about all these different things. And it's crazy to say that this link was, was put together because of the institution of slavery. Yeah. I hold no ill will towards them. Um, now, the reason why I don't is because they give me stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If they yeah. were like, no, I ain't giving you nothing. Right, right. You know, then I'm, I'm going to be pretty pissed. Right. right then I'm right. going to go back. But... Um, well, for them, it might even be a way of rectifying some family karma oh, that is. needs to be rectified. Oh, and, 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 and it is. You know? And, and it's crazy because I, I think that it's happened in that family prior, even prior to now, because there was a newspaper article in 1981 that I got from the town in which I'm from. is the Leaf Chronicle, and the, the enslaver's granddaughter actually wrote an article in 1981 about my family's um, journey here with the enslavers, and she says in there... This is what they were responsible for, and I just don't see how anyone could hold slaves. How can you hold another person's property, right? So that was comforting as well to find is that these individuals at some point in time completely went against what was the norm um, or, uh, of chattel slavery during that time right, period right. and have, may have had that space to where they were willing to say And I'm that was what year that she wrote that? That was in 1981, an article that, okay, I, that's that I found pretty, in 1981. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. we like to think about these things as, oh gosh, that was so long ago. No. It really wasn't. No. I, I mean, even desegregation, it was not that long ago. So it, sometimes when I think about it that way, it's like, oh, well, I guess I'm not totally surprised. No, well... well not to cut you off, but yes, in my of new documentary, I interviewed a, a man named um, George Sizemore. Uh-huh. His father was enslaved. His father was enslaved in Mecklenburg County, Virginia. Um, Uncle George is 101 years old. He was 13 years old when his father died. Mm-hmm. So he had 13 years of living and gathering information from his enslaved father. So when we talk about slavery being that long ago, for yeah. some people, it was just one generation ago. One generation. And, you know, and he's one of those individuals. Yeah. So back to your, so this is, uh, I wanted this, these folks whose yeah. family enslaved your family. Yep, yep. Is there any genetic connection? <sighs> Do, have they taken a test? Do they want to take a test? Is it hard to bring I don't up? think that they, I don't think that they are willing to. To do that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my next yeah. question. Are they... Um, sometimes when I go to Charleston, North mm-hmm. Carolina, and you Beautiful see these, city. yeah, yes, Love yes, it. absolutely, <laughs> and there, there's all this uh, blue blue blood families, you know, mm-hmm. and they talk about it, and you go to these blue blood families mm-hmm. that have people walking around Charleston mm-hmm. today, okay, and you go to the plantations that their families held, mm-hmm. and I always have this um, kind of discussion with my husband that, mm-hmm. you know. If you could prove a genetic, and in some families they have, and you know, mm-hmm. of course that. Um, the, the president, the for Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that's been proven. Mm-hmm. He has this, all these black relatives, yeah, yeah. basically, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you could prove that because of my family is labor, mm-hmm. your family made all that money and is continuing to do well in mm-hmm. society today, you would be entitled to some of that wealth. Common Je- sense. Is, so. Right. You could, you could prove <laughs> damages in court. As mm-hmm. my, I mean, I, some attorney mm-hmm. would be able to say, well, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you're, I'm able to argue that my client's family suffered, you know, all these damages, sure. and this is what this amounts to because they basically built this. Mm-hmm. So, 
it's just it, were they doing well? The, the, all of this to say, were the, were your this family? Are they doing well in the town that they're from? Do they act like are are they just normal Americans? They, they have law, they have large farms. Mm-hmm. So it translates. To oh, today, absolutely! It passed. Right? It was passed down. Right, right. <laughs> like it was, it was passed down, and um, it, it was passed down. It was passed down. Right, exactly. And you know, when you look at different type of things that have happened in the African-American community with regards to stores being bombed, mm-hmm. the whole neighborhood blocks being destroyed, et cetera, et cetera, where, what of that can be passed down? What, right, what can exactly. be passed down? Like there's a generational gap aspect to things because of the intentional burning down of, of, of stores, of different businesses, of homes. When you talk about Wilmington, um, you know, uh, there's a great documentary out called Wilmington on Fire. Um, they burnt the whole town down. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah. Wilmington, all the, the whole black section. And, and the thing is, you had whites who were going to the African-American neighborhoods to see the physicians, to see the dentists, yeah. to, see, to shop in their grocery stores. And southern whites just couldn't handle that. They couldn't, they couldn't take it. And they came in there, the red shirts. Um, and people with the white supremacy ideology, and they literally obliterated it. And Wilmington still struggles today in the African-American community to try to get that back. Yeah. And that was before Rosewood. That was before Tulsa. You know, that was before all the, the, the places that you know from a mainstream standpoint. Right, know, right, um, yeah. It, it's so, I, I bet you see that a lot. And one of the things that I love about your work is um, the little stories that come up because yeah. there's just so much. And I think that people are craving this history mm-hmm. because we really are not taught it. Yes. So when you're not taught it, it it's just like you're more and more curious about mm-hmm. it, right? And I think uh, this is my theory on why the African American History Museum in D.C. Mm-hmm. is so, you know, you can't get tickets years out. Yeah. And it's not just black folks going to that museum. No, it's not. It's everybody mm-hmm. because it really is like, well, I, re- I really want to know because you're told so little. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's one of the things I love about your work is just yeah. the stories from everyone and everything. How do you keep sane while doing it? Mm-hmm. How do you use it to find fulfillment versus mm-hmm. it really breaking you down? Because it's hard work. Yeah. Mentally. Yeah. And, and you know, um, with the first documentary, which is titled The American South as We Know It, I traveled throughout the South uh, interviewing individuals about their specified experiences during Jim Crow. And um, that was my very first project that I completed and that was in 2018 that one was was really tough because from a counseling standpoint I can come in and do this all day right it's what I do but to sit down across from individuals who served in this country's military and they tell you that when they got out out off the train and they just wanted water and they were refused services or told they can't drink white water and things like that, knowing that these people went to go sacrifice their life for this country. That's heartbreaking. Um, But more importantly, what's even more heartbreaking is when I sit in front of these individuals and they haven't talked about these things in 30 years, 20 years, 40 years. And when I ask them why, they simply say, because no one has asked. That's the part that hurts the most because that onus does not fall necessarily on it don't fall on white folks right what are we doing within our own family circles like are we devaluing 
this person because they're not Rosa Parks or Martin Luther King mm-hmm, Jr. Mm-hmm. So it goes back to what you were saying that everyone has a story. Everyone, right. And um, just people in general, we have to be cognizant about the importance of oral history and getting information from people. So that first leg of documentary screen, the, of the, the, the first documentary, because I traveled to Mississippi, I traveled to Alabama, Virginia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee, all these places, getting all these stories. It did become draining at some point because of the fact that you recognize how much individuals had to endure. And you go to sleep with that. But then when you're able to wake up that next day and you, you're able to say, you know what, through all of that, these individuals were successful individuals Very. within their communities. They went on and they um, had successful children. Um, so then there's the mark of resilience. There's the mark of, of, of royalty that's there. There's the mark of being able to survive, in which we've had to survive so many different atrocities, uh, and we're still here. So that kind of balanced everything out with regards to me sitting in front of people, absorbing their pain, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and being able to uh, uh, translate it into something more positive through film. So that's how it works good for me. So it's, it's never, I never look at it as being work. Um, yeah. And I do a lot of different work in the community. I'm... I'm um, on the board of the James K. Polk site, uh, which is where President James K. Polk was born. Um, I'm working with the Ladder Plantation with the committee uh, with learning how to better interpret African-American stories uh, here in the city of Charlotte, was in Huntersville. Um, So that type of work is very fulfilling because to me, I have been commissioned by the ancestors to do this work, so I can't complain. You can't complain. <laughs> I know. It, and it's like what you were saying. You're nice. It's nice to know what you're you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. And you you got the message and you did it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to bring you back on the show. Sure, sure. Because it was just too much and it was too good. So I hope that you'll join us again. I will. And um, I will link everything for History Before Us. And you can learn more. And definitely on Instagram, you got to see these pictures. Mm-hmm. It's just fascinating. It's so cool. And thank you so much, Murph, for being no on the problem. show. I, I thank you for the invite. And I hope that everybody finds something that makes their soul light and happy. Cool. You can support this show by subscribing it, liking it, and sharing it with others. And you can also follow the show on Instagram at the story with Charu. That's on Instagram. It's all lowercase, all one word at the story with Charu. That's where I post pictures of our guests. And I also have um, more fresh takes about current events that we really can't get to in a podcast format. And sometimes just random things from around the globe or just everyday life. You can also find more information about me on my website, charukamaria.com. That's C-H-A-R-U-K-U-M-A-R-H-I-A dot com. Again, that's also one word. And until next time, I hope that you find something that makes your soul light and happy.